sure here. Over the next couple of weeks, we will be releasing some history podcasts to help develop your learning. The series will cover crime and punishment. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to your favourite teacher. Today we'll be examining crime, punishment and law enforcement in the later Middle Ages, looking at new crimes and new ways of enforcing the law, as well as trying to spot examples of change in continuity. In the later Middle Ages, we see a move towards greater uniformity when it came to law enforcement. It was Henry II that played a key role in this, coming to power in 1154 AD. In 1166, he created the Assize of Clarendon. These were changes to the system of law that meant the people now awaiting trial could now be detained in prisons beforehand. He also created greater uniformity when he appointed royal judges, also known as justices of the air, which would visit each county in the country to hear and preside over the most serious cases that came to court in each area. In this way, there was greater uniformity, as the judges had been appointed by the king and so all reported back to the same person. It also sent a message that the king played a direct role in the law, order and justice across the country. In addition to this, a standardised set of instructions were sent out to local sheriffs across the country. In theory, this meant that it shouldn't matter where you were in the country, the actions and the role of the sheriff would be the same. I guess you could compare it to today, where people of the same profession and same organisation would have very similar job descriptions. One thing that a criminal could do was to try and claim sanctuary. This was where a criminal could be given safety in a church and also provided with the option to leave the country within 40 days rather than face trial. Again, an example of the power and influence of the church. As we continue through the period, we see greater uniformity and centralisation becomes a trend. For example, in 1194, Richard I ordered that in situations where there had been a suspicious death, centrally appointed coroners would take responsibility for getting to the bottom of what had happened. The year after, in 1195, he also created the post of the King's Peace. This role was given to knights, and their main responsibility was to help keep law and order in the parts of the country where they were posted, in order to deal with unruly elements of the community. The trend of greater uniformity continued into the rule of Edward III, who rolled out the system of the King's Peace nationwide. Although it's now not just knights who were appointed to the role, but rather men who were seen as good and lawful. By 1361, the name had changed to Justices of the Peace. And in fact, this role still exists today and is open to both men and women. During the Middle Ages, these men would convene four times a year to act as magistrates and hand out punishments when people in their local areas had broken the law. The move to appointed justices of the peace also demonstrates greater centralisation as these men were appointed by the king. This did mean that they were nearly always of high social status and usually owned land in the area. Therefore, for crimes such as poaching, they often gave out heavy punishments, despite the majority of the community viewing poaching as a social crime. Although the church still held great power at this time, we also see an end to trial by ordeal where guilt or innocence would have been determined by the outcome of a trial by ordeal that would have been administered by the church. This was at the request of the Pope and came into effect in 1215. Importantly, the trial system that replaced it was trial by jury, very similar to the system we still use today. 
12 men would hear the case and then come to a conclusion about the accused innocence or guilt. So we see evidence that although still very powerful, there was a loosening of the church's hold over the population. This was to the benefit of monarchs who were keen to reduce the power of the church and ensure that they were the sole instructors of law and order. Henry II tried to reduce the role of the church in law and order. One thing that worried him was the monarch's ability to punish clergymen who were accused of committing crimes, but the church won out, and it remained the case that members of the clergy were to be put on trial in church courts if needed. This became known as the benefit of the clergy. This was to the annoyance of the king, as punishments in the church courts were often more lenient than in the king's courts. In addition, people could work the system and claim that they were members of the clergy when they weren't, and therefore potentially receive a lighter sentence. All you had to do was recite Psalm 51 from the Bible. This was intended to prove that you could read, as it was mainly the clergy who could, and certainly was not common for the everyday public to be able to. However, all you had to do if you were a habitual criminal was to memorise this, and this led to it being known as the neck verse, as in saving your neck, because it sometimes helped people to escape the death penalty. So, based on what we've discovered so far, the later Middle Ages appears to be a time when we see changes to the system of law and order when compared to earlier periods. However, there was also some continuity. For example, the community was still to take some responsibility for law enforcement. If someone was seen committing a crime, then the hue and cry was to be raised. However, as towns began to grow, this became less and less effective, as not only did more people create a greater opportunity for crime, it also meant that people were less likely to know each other or the criminal. And so it was harder to reprimand them in this way. But what was considered a crime in the later Middle Ages? Well, there was a lot of continuity in terms of things such as murder, assault and theft remaining criminal acts. And interestingly, theft was the most common crime throughout each of the periods that you'll look at, although the items being stolen change. However, there were also some things that became criminal offences in this period which had previously been within the law. One example was a statute of labourers, which made asking your master or boss for higher wages a criminal offence. This seems harsh, but we can see why it became a crime when we look at the context of the period. The Statute of Labourers was passed by Parliament after the Black Death, which struck in 1348. This deadly epidemic wiped out one third of the population, and there weren't enough people to farm the land. This gave peasants the opportunity to bargain with lords of the manor for higher wages, as there were not enough workers to supply the demand. This angered the wealthy, and it was the wealthy, or rather wealthy men, who made up the Parliament at this time, advising the King, who then took their views into account before laws were passed. So we see continuity, that it was the establishment who made the laws, but also changes, as now it was not solely the King who made the laws, as in the Norman period. By the later Middle Ages, men from the ruling classes also held some influence over the law. Heresy, which meant going against, not following or not appearing to believe the teachings and practices of the church, also became a crime during this period. If you were found guilty of heresy, you would be labelled a heretic. There are a number of heresy laws passed, first in 1382, then in 1401, and then 1414. This demonstrates two things. First, that for some people there was a move away from the traditional teachings of the church, but also that the church still held great power within society. 
Now, finally, we come to punishments. We've seen that in the church courts, punishments could be seen as more lenient than in the king's courts. For less serious crimes, fines and physical or corporal punishments could be given. However, we also see an increase in the severity of punishments, with those who committed treason being sentenced to being hanged, drawn and quartered, and then their limbs being displayed in different parts of the country. With no printed press, TV or radio, this was an effective way of deterring others from going against the king. So, we've seen that in this period, the kings tried to create greater uniformity and centralisation through embedding their authority through the use of increasingly harsh punishments. We also see that kings tried to limit the power of the church, but it still held great influence and power over the population. I'm Miss Wainer, and we've been examining crime, punishment and law enforcement in the later Middle Ages. I hope you're finding the Crime and Punishment podcasts useful. I'm Miss Shaw with your favourite teacher. Thanks for listening.